everybody, and welcome back to No Fate, a Terminator podcast. I'm your host, Michael. With me is Tanner, and we're here today to talk about the fourth episode of Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles called Heavy Metal. Heavy Metal, dude. It's a lot of heavy metal in this episode. Yeah. I wonder if that's why they named it that. Oh, maybe. You think so? <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> hmm. Um, we're gonna jump Just... right in, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Guess uh, to this week's episode. Yeah. Before we forget, I'm going to let's let's talk about the IMDb rating again, Tanner. Yeah. I thought that was let's fun. Let's do it. Um, what did so, this one come in at? So this one came in at another seven point six. Seven point six. Do any of these crack the eight or eight category? Um, I guess. Yeah, yeah. One of them in season yeah. one does. Mm. Season two, I I can't see yet. We'll we'll get there. But yeah, seven point six again, which I think is 7. like 6. fair. I think that's fair for this week. I guess so. It's a solid good. It's a, it's like a high good. Yeah. It's probably it's not quite great. I think, but that's like a solid good episode. Yeah. Seven point six. I agree. And the description for this week's episode reads, While searching through stolen cargo, John becomes separated from his mother, and he discovers how unsafe the future has become. Which I think is is pretty good. I think that's a pretty pretty good description of this week's. So that will call it, guys, and that's the whole episode, and we'll see you Thanks next Thanks for week. tuning in. Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. No, you and I texted a little bit about this today, too. It's a uh, for me. It's one of the episodes that stands out in my mind when I when I think back on the show. Yeah, Mo- mostly kind of the ending and just the intensity of that scene there. Mm-hmm. But you and I talked a little bit. This, this this episode really focuses in on who John is and who he needs to become. And Cameron mentions in this episode how future John would behave in these scenarios, and Sarah's not used to that yet because she's used to present John. So we're seeing Sarah's conflict of having to let him go, especially when they get separated here, and kind of trust that he's going to perform, you know, like the future John that he needs to be. So this episode has a lot of that, and it's, yeah, I like it. I like it too, and I think John, for the most part, does a really good job of kind of playing into his future role, but I think this episode also makes it very clear that he's not there yet. You know, he, he can't disarm the armed guards. He can't defeat the Terminator on his own. He needs his mom and Cameron to get him out of the bunker in the first place. I think there's a lot that he still needs to learn at this point, And I think that they handled that very nicely, showing small bits and pieces of the future leader of the Resistance, while also still showing the st- scared teenage kid who very much relies on Sarah Connor to be this ultimate warrior that she's kind of set up as in the beginning of the show. Exactly. Well, and, and thank God that they made him still a human character with real faults and, you know, mistakes that he makes and everything else. They could have gone the direction of, um, you know, just militaristic John, you know, maybe even more a little Sarah's role, but that's not his role. And of course, they they let Sarah make her own mistakes in the show as well to make her more of a human character. But it's so great that they let John be vulnerable enough that we can really see 
this uh, vulnerable vulnerability in his actions and his mistakes, but we get this little glimmer of who he's supposed to be, and it um, it makes it so much more relatable. You know, they didn't go the route of just having him be this perfect Mary Sue character yep. to go through the whole show and making all these decisions. It makes it way more intense and way more relatable, and it feels more real that way. I also think this episode does a really good job of grounding John from the get-go because his whole motivation behind this is because of the death of the teenage girl Jordan from the last episode. And mm-hmm. and that's his entire motivation. He he wants to stop Skynet. He wants to save lives because he, he failed to save one that he could have. And he doesn't really blame himself fully for that. He, he blames Cameron. He blames the machines. And so in so doing that, he, he wants to take out as many Terminators as he can. And that includes getting rid of this Coltane shipment, um, which I think is really interesting because I feel like that parallels very well with what we know of future John. The reason he's the leader that he is isn't just because of Sarah Connor, but because it, because of all the loss of life that occurred on Judgment Day. And here we see that on a smaller scale with John not being able to save this girl, so now he's going to save others. And others in the future too when these are going to be created it's kind of an interesting concept how it all kind of gets stockpiled in this warehouse and we see this terminator essentially turn itself off camera describe cameron describes it as him he's putting himself in standby because he completed his mission yeah which kind of goes back to our dark fate discussion on what would one of these things do if they complete their mission yeah and i think (laughs) that's why you and i both think this way that it that yeah. carl shouldn't exist because he should just <laughs> be still the whole time he would find a nice little spot to just shut himself off and uh you know now granted this one you know i mean his ultimate mission is not complete all the sure. way i'm sure he would wake up after the bombs fall and he would start creating some terminators with the metals or whatever you know whereas carl uh of course after murdering john didn't have a Skynet future to wait for because John had erased that when they took out Cyberdyne. Um, but uh, but that leads to the question too. You know, Carl had the option to create to make Skynet still happen. You know, these machines are so resourceful in this show of you know finding skin, getting doctors right. to cut them up which that's another plot point in this show that's pretty cool um you know the idea (laughs) i don't know we don't have to keep talking about it but the idea that carl (laughs) after that had to go start a family i don't know i don't know i I don't know i'm I'm beating a dead horse i think that's no we're gonna keep riding on this train because i have a thought now i think that's why dark fate um in a lot of ways doesn't work is because, yeah, they, they destroyed Cyberdyne and defeated Skynet, but Skynet itself, in the in that future of the Dark Fate future, which was obviously rewritten, um, didn't have a backup plan. It didn't have... Like, the reason Carl was sent back was solely to kill John Connor. It had no other mission. Whereas, I think something the Sarah Connor Chronicles done really, has done really well... And I attribute a lot of this to Josh Friedman, who ironically was part of the story team who made Dark Fate and created this show. I think something they do very well here is give Skynet 
a lot more tactical advantage and motivation. Like the reason Skynet sends back all these Terminators is because John Connor isn't the only factor in whether this thing gets born or not. And it wants to ensure its survival, which I think makes this very unique as far as the rest of the Terminator mythology is concerned. Because barring Genesis, which steals a lot of ideas from this show, including this one, we don't see that in any of the Terminator films. Even Dark Fate doesn't touch on, like, the the R, uh, what is that Terminator? The R9 or Rev9 or whatever it is. Right. It's, it's Its secondary function is not to go create Legion. It's solely right. to kill Danny. And yeah. I think that's what makes this show very unique is obviously all the Terminators, if they knew who John was, their primary function would be kill John Connor. But they have these other secondary missions that take priority that make it very interesting. So It does. No, it's super cool that they explore that. And of course, there's a good side of that too, where we see these rebels coming back from the future as well to... Uh, fight this future war in the past and prepare humanity for the future and i guess to give terminator 3 a little bit of credit too i think that's the only other spot i can think of of maybe uh skynet actively trying to do something other than just kill john connor we at least get to see the tx taking out some other important figures yeah but again to your point that's kind of only that's still just assassination assassination missions yeah as opposed to coming back to try and actively do something to ensure Skynet survival otherwise, you know, like stockpiling this material that they need and everything else. It's really neat. We get a... But, I mean, yeah, I mean, this episode is kind of a prime example of what it kind of means for one of these things to complete a mission. And uh, they even have, you know, they, they show some human elements there as well. With you know when when John first gets carried away in this truck, Sarah tells Cameron, "You can't understand," and Cameron says, "No, I understand. Without John, your life has has no purpose." Yep. And you know Sarah is very machine like in that way, and in fact, in the very first episode, to bring us back there, in her dream, in her vision, where John actually gets shot in the back, she tells the Terminator who killed John to kill her. Yep. Because at that point, she's like, "It's all over." Yep. It's all over. Unless it's uh, Terminator Dark Fate, and then John Connor's kind of not that important anymore. Or Genesis, because John Connor's not that important anymore. So those two movies, it wouldn't be over. Well, in Genesis, John is still important. <laughs> it's just different. He's Well, I don't I don't know. I think if I think if we got another two movies to finish out that trilogy, we would have found that he, he wasn't that, that important, he probably. Wasn't. Yeah, that's possible. Well... Maybe it's a blessing. But also then Dark Fate came out and I'm like, maybe it wasn't a blessing. (laughs) (laughs) But I still think Genesis is worse. So maybe it was. I don't know. Who's to say? Um, I think one of the best scenes in this episode is when John has to get the key off of Carter, um, the Terminator who shuts down and whose mission we're following throughout the episode. Because it's so scary. It's terrifying. It's so scary. (laughs) When I watched this with Claire, I'm pretty sure she, uh, I think she walked out of the room a couple times. She just couldn't <laughs> handle it. <laughs> no, it's it's super scary. And, and the whole part of him trying to convince this other soldier too, like, mm-hmm. he, he doesn't even go to tell him that it's a, it's a machine because he doesn't, you know, he's not going to believe that. No. So, oh my gosh. And to see him just go up there. Yeah. 
No, I was freaking out. This is one of the most intense episodes of the series, I think. I was I had such a hard time with this when I first watched it. It's it's a lot. It's and it's a lot to digest because you're so afraid for John because there's literally no way out. There's no way he can escape without alerting the thing that he's leaving. And he has nobody to get him until obviously he is able to contact Cameron and Sarah and that's able to change, but yeah, it's 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 intense. There's a lot of really interesting world-building stuff to do with Terminators themselves in this episode, and that's what makes it that's what makes it really good. That's what makes it a solid episode because because a lot of the drama besides John's stuff, a lot of Sarah's stuff in this episode I think kind of falls flat a little bit. Like I don't always believe her when she is worried about John, which I don't think is really the, uh, the fault of the actress. I just think it's the writing. Whereas John's stuff, I fully believe. And I don't know I'd if agree you feel with that. differently. No, I'd agree with that. His, all of his scenes, the both not even you know with the machine, but just in that truck with that other guy, <laughs> yeah. you really feel like your heart drop. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you put you, it's easy to put yourself in that scenario. Like, I, I don't Sarah feel like Sarah's at her yeah. wit's end. Yeah. And when we get to the scene where they're interrogating uh, the guy who's let the soldier guy who's left behind, mm-hmm. I. Whenever I watch that scene, I always expect her to start torturing that guy because that's that's how Sarah Connor would respond, I would think, mm-hmm. and she doesn't. And I think it's mm-hmm. very interesting that she doesn't. And and part of me is like, no, she's trying to change for John. Um, but part of me just thinks it was bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of kind of a different take on her, you know. I mean, um. You know, Lena Headey, she does a really good job of, she. you know, she does yeah. a better job portraying that character, I would say, than Linda Hamilton in some aspects. She can bring yes. out some sides of Sarah Connor better than Linda could. I but agree. in those really intense scenes, you just can't beat Linda Hamilton for those really when you need the psycho crazy part of it. Yep. <laughs> and that's kind of what was missing for those scenes there. And as I've... far as John's stuff, you can definitely relate. Yeah. And I think with Sarah, too, maybe maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe part of why she doesn't respond that way is because of her time with Charlie and because of all these things in the few years between Terminator 2 and the beginning of the series that have made her a softer person, or maybe she's trying to be a softer person. But then we watch the pilot, and I don't see that. So I don't, I don't know. It could be. It could be. As far as the world building stuff, too, I mean, you made me think about that as well. This episode is fun because uh, you haven't really seen a Terminator turn itself off like that in the same way. Right. So I remember the first time I saw this and it just kind of stands there and I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, my gosh. It's just waiting for the bombs to drop. Like it's it turned itself off. But I don't. But still, I don't know enough about how this machine works to know if it can still hear things, if it can still, if it's aware of its surroundings still. So there's like you're walking on eggshells with these characters who also don't know, and it's just really fun to see the guy go up and like talk to it and point his gun at it and it's not responding, and then you can even kind of like touch it and stuff, yep. and the whole time you're just cringing because you're waiting for it to like just grab his throat or something. Yep. But of course, when it gets knocked down, which I think is a super cool way to do it you know and then it 
<laughs> it wakes itself up from feeling the fall and everything. Oh, it's horrifying. So getting to see little things about the Terminator that we haven't in the past is awesome, how they explore that in this show. And I'm trying to think of other times that they do it. We'll, of course, point it out when it happens, but this one definitely stands out. It reminded me a lot of that scene from Terminator 2 where they're hiding out in the gas station after they break Sarah out of the mental hospital, and Arnold just stands until the morning yeah. and watches yeah. but obviously he's like awake he's not on standby or anything he's actively keeping guard but it reminded me but he's a lot so of frozen that. yeah <laughs> yeah well and then of course in terminator 3 when arnold reboots yeah his computer and he's standing there goofy too but that's still a little different because we we're not super aware of what he can experience in that moment too i don't know yeah it's fun it is <laughs> Um, the B plot of this week's episode features Ellison, which is great because we love Ellison, on the trail of Cromartie, who has had reconstructive surgery now to look like an out-of-work actor whose name is George Laszlo, which is, I think, one of the most hilarious things. <laughs> and, it's hilarious, but it's such a clever and fun plot point for the yeah. show. Just the scenario of it, the pure, you know, it's just really interesting. And of course, you know, that makes them think maybe this other guy was committing these murders and covering his tracks and everything else right it's really clever for the show and it's clever for a gateway to have allison interact with this whole situation as well yeah and also like laszlo does not help himself out because the first time we meet him before Cromartie kills him he's like a freaking weirdo <laughs> yeah like he acts like a weirdo as they're taking his blood and then all of a sudden becomes a normal person out of nowhere and i'm like dude you are not helping your case a machine could impersonate you and will yeah yeah no they that that scene's so great because they don't tell you if it's him or not right and it's it's scary you, you don't really you, you have no sense of it and of course they build it up too with the girl saying i can't find a vein yep. and you're like oh my gosh he's gonna kill everybody in this office like <laughs> But then, you know, you guys are a bunch of fascists. And then you go, oh, that's 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 the human. That's, that's a human. <laughs> that's not a Terminator. <laughs> the way they played that was awesome. I remember seeing it and being like, oh, okay. You get your little heart flutter from it and everything else, and then it goes away. You had me in the first half, not going to lie. That's right. Uh, fun fact, too. The actor, so the actor who plays uh, the FBI agent Stewart, the one who kind of opposes Ellison in the episode, he actually played a cyborg on the show Smallville, where he was Victor Stone, aka Cyborg of the Justice League, on that show. Oh, funny. So it's a funny little cybernetic organism connection for you. How about that? Plus, you know, if I can connect anything to Smallville. Of course, I'm going to do that. Unfortunately, uh, the actor, whose name is Lee Thompson Young, he actually passed away a couple years back, I think, actually of a suicide, which was really sad and shocking oh, when no. it happened. Oh, no. His uh, his Wikipedia page is actually, his image under his bio is actually a shot from this episode. Of all things, really. Of, of all things, yeah. It's the only episode of the show he's in, too, and that's what it is. Hmm. And he had, like, actual roles on stuff. Like, he's on three episodes of Smallville. He was a main character on Rizzolian Isles, I think. Like, he, he actually, like, had real roles, starring roles <laughs> and recurring roles. But this is the That's one. That's awesome. There's a few really interesting cameos from different actors in this show. And I'm excited to talk about them. There's a few in mind that stick out. But uh, it's going to be fun. Yeah. 
I really like the scene between Cromartie and Ellison at the end where Cromartie, like, it just kind of has you on edge because you know it's not Laszlo at that point because yeah. you've seen Cromartie kill him, but you just don't know what he's going to do because he could easily snap Ellison's neck right here, but he do- he chooses not to. And it's just interesting. Like, their whole dynamic throughout the rest of the show is very interesting. Um, yeah and it starts here which is really cool it sets the stage really well but it it is an intense scene he's kind of awkward and you see ellison pick up on something's kind of off too it's an awkward conversation and he leaves kind of awkward and um and of course it just gets crazier from here that it does so at that tanner i don't know i think my notes are coming up dry do you have any other closing thoughts on heavy metal that uh no i think i covered it here we'll probably reference back to it and we'll probably reference back to dark fate and genesis a couple times here so bear with us yeah sorry (laughs) among the rest (laughs) of the terminator films oh i did see a tweet the other day that i wanted to tell you about uh while i was browsing on our twitter feed somebody was saying how they their ideal of a terminator reboot would be horror-based, obviously, which we've talked about, which is kind of the... We want to go back to those roots, too. And they want the Terminator, when it kills its victims, to skin them and then wear their skin. Oh, my God. To kill the next victim. Which is like, that is heavy metal right there. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty intense. Um, Yeah, I mean, in some senses, it is wearing the skin of other victims they you know they're experimenting on people in salvation we see them kind of using people to figure out how to do it and right. eventually do it and on this show too yeah this show too the whole thing with the um with the 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 surgeon guy is pretty interesting getting the reconstructive surgery and everything else mm-hmm. and once we get to uh spoiler alert cameron's origins in the future we'll see some uh, that as well right they're resourceful but yeah thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode of no fate we really appreciate it don't forget to follow us on twitter and you can find us on amazon music and spotify apple podcasts and directly on our website nofatepodcast.com until next week where we cover the next episode is the sarah connor chronicles entitled queen's gambit i'm michael with me is tanner and if you're listening to this You are the resistance.